Episode 11, Stablecoins, recorded 26th of November, 2019. This is Bitcoin Basics Podcast with your host, Ferris, that's me, and Gordon from Coin Compass. We're Bitcoin advisors and educators supporting business and individual investors to safely buy, manage, and control their private keys, Bitcoins. Visit coincompass.com for more information. This podcast is strictly educational and is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Full disclaimer in the show notes and at the end of this episode. All right, we are recording. Good morning, Gordon. Good morning. Now, oh, good night. Tell me, <laughs> well, it's a morning at my end. It's not at your end. Um, so, yeah, for all you guys listening to the podcast, we're probably both kind of a bit tired. It's about 5 a.m. my time and midnight Gordon's time. Um, yeah. Works out well. He's a night owl. I'm the morning person. So, right. Gordon, what can you tell me? What is a stable coin? A stable coin, and the theory vastly differs from the practice, but a stable coin is exactly what you think it is. It is a cryptocurrency that holds its value. So, Bitcoin, and certainly a lot of the altcoins, or coins as we're being uh, told by Congress, are extremely volatile. So Bitcoin and some of the altcoins especially can move, you know, $200, $500, even $1,000 in a day. So a stable coin is an attempt to remove that volatility and have a cryptocurrency that is consistent in its store of value. All right. So who creates these stable coins? Pretty much all the stable coins are created by third parties. And I guess we go into the background of what a stable coin is and who creates them and what the purpose is. A stable coin is a cryptocurrency coin that has some kind of collateral behind it. And either a cryptocurrency or a third party will manage the supply in it. So, for example, the biggest stable coin is Tether. And those who have been uh, have anything to do with Bitcoin will know all the problems that Tether has had. And there are probably four or five major stable coins, including Tether and TrueUSD. And they're one type of stable coin, which is essentially backed by something. So if there are a million dollars worth of whatever stable coin, so for example, Tether, if there are a million dollars worth of Tether, there should be and I put that in air quotes, there should be a million dollars worth of actual dollars in reserve that can be redeemable for a token. The second type of stablecoin is a stablecoin that doesn't use traditional assets, but actually uses crypto assets. So it could use several or one, and there's some sort of complex cryptography behind that to ensure that the prices actually remain stable. So with these stable coins, like Tether, for example, um, I know we're getting to the weeds a little bit here. Are they actually cryptocurrencies? So are they actually mined? Or are they simply just digitally printed once they someone deposits that equivalent in US dollars? Well, without uh, upsetting all the Ripple people in the room, Ripple is considered a cryptocurrency, but it's based on a spreadsheet. It's controlled by 
an organization. So I guess it depends on your definition of what a cryptocurrency is. They are cryptocurrencies in the loose term of the word. There are really two types. And one type is uses some kind of peg. So for example, Tether, and that's the major one we'll use as an analogy. So one US dollar will equal one Tether. And that cryptocurrency, the Tether cryptocurrency, has a blockchain behind it. It's not mined like you have in Bitcoin, like a proof-of-work algorithm, but it, is, it still has a ledger. And so in theory, and I put that in air quotes again, in theory, uh, one US dollar that exists at a bank or exists somewhere is the equivalent to one Tether. The other kind of um, stablecoin is actually not pegged to anything. It uses various algorithms. It uses a basket of different cryptocurrencies and it automatically or cryptographically adjusts things like the supply to make sure that the price is consistent. These algorithms are actually quite complicated in terms of their theory and what we call game theory, but they're the two kinds of stablecoins. Okay. The first kind, the pegging, is usually done by third party, so a company. And the second kind of an actual stablecoin crypto is um, usually something decentralized. So it's not a third party or a company, it's actually a separate blockchain. Okay. So why would someone want to hold or buy a stablecoin? Yeah, so... For, for anyone who's actually bought Bitcoin before, you have to send money, whether it's credit card or wire transfer or however you do it to an exchange. And let's take a big exchange like Bitstamp or Binance. So let's say we send $1,000 US dollars to uh, Bitstamp, for example. That uh, Bitstamp will take, so that transfer will take a couple of days and the CEO or the accountant or the secretary or the janitor We'll look up their internet banking and find that, okay, yeah, Faris has transferred $1,000. So we're going to update his account from zero to $1,000. Now, you see a number on the screen that says $1,000 USD. Does that money really exist? Or is it just someone updating an entry in a database? That's kind of the literal million dollar question. But the idea behind stablecoins is that it's too slow to move in and out of fiat, especially for traders and people who need to uh, get in and out of a cryptocurrency quite quickly. Sorry, just on that, Gordon, is Bitcoin is too slow to move for traders? No, it's not the Bitcoin. It's the fiat. So it's the US it's dollars. Fiat, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Australian dollars, yeah. Canadian dollars, or whatever. So, for example, if you are depositing money to an exchange, then you've got, you know, $1,000, you buy your Bitcoin and then, you know, you do a bit of day trading or whatever, however you want to trade. Then you want to get out of Bitcoin because you think the Bitcoin price is going down. What do you sell into? Mm. You have to sell yeah. into something. So you sell into, for example, US dollars. Um, I guess the uh, controversy is, are you really selling into US dollars or are you actually selling into magical uh, numbers on a screen and mm. are those is that company like for example does bitstamp actually have those dollars or are they just updating the database to say yeah we you know you've got a thousand dollars access to you but whether they do or not uh 
We don't know. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Gordon. And yeah, we actually did write about this in, I think, the November 2018 Coin Corner newsletter. So make that available for free on, on link up here. I mean, that's, that's some real use case, and that's sort of how they started. And also, the Monday use case is a lot of exchanges actually can't deal with fiat, so they can't deal mm. with uh, money. And the way to get in and out of the exchange would be, for example, I want to move my, um, my, not my savings, I want to move my account from, say, Bitstamp to Binance. The only way to do that is to actually buy Bitcoin, transfer the Bitcoin from Bitstamp to Binance, and then do what I need to do. But what if I don't want to buy Bitcoin? What if uh, the market at the moment is totally tanking? I don't want to buy anything. I want to transfer my US dollars from Bitstamp to Binance. Well, I could, I guess, withdraw my US dollars to my bank account. That's going to take a couple of days. Then I could send from my bank account to Binance and it's going to take a couple of days as well. Or I could use something like Tether and send my $1,000 worth of Tether straight from Bitstamp to Binance. Yeah. Okay. So in, in essence, uh, it is just like a cryptocurrency, but that cryptocurrency is meant to be stable in terms of its value. It's yeah, price. It's price and volatility. Yeah. Cool. In theory. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Gordon. And something that I'm sort of on the fence about is uh, tokenizing everything. So everyone keeps on talking about, well, let's tokenize some assets. For example, let's tokenize gold, and um, they could use uh, something like a a gold pegged or backed. Mm-hmm. Uh, stable coin. Those of you who are probably listening to this are probably having a few alarm bells ring off, and there are certainly plenty of concerns. And I like the theory of stable coins, but uh, there are certainly uh, many concerns. And historically, stable coins have not really performed well. For example, one of the first stable coins was called Newbits, and that started a dollar, and that's still around today. And I actually looked it up this morning. And it's now at 51 cents. So you've got a stable coin that's basically just lost half its value. Yeah. Um, I would actually argue that stable coins may actually increase volatility because normally if you didn't have a stable coin and you're in Bitcoin and you wanted to take profits, you sell out of Bitcoin into, into US dollars, mm-hmm. leave it there for two days, maybe even transfer it back to your bank account. But because that's a because there's that option of transferring it from Bitcoin back into a stablecoin like Tether, mm-hmm. you're probably more likely to speculate on the um, volatility in the short term. So it may yeah. actually be exacerbating the problem of uh, increased volatility. And the sure. reason that these, yeah, the reason these stablecoins exist is, as you mentioned, the a lot of the Bitcoin exchanges simply are unable to deal in fiat. They can't receive customer deposits. I've had mm. too many instances where I've tried to buy Bitcoin with my credit card, just for my credit card um, provider to decline the purchase because they didn't like the location of the bank. So these stable coins exist because the exchanges are not allowed to operate as they want to. They want to be regulated. They want to you know, comply with KYC and AML. 
but because they're being prohibited from doing so, they've had to create these stable coins. So I think the more the more mainstream Bitcoin gets, gets the less hurdles it gets from banks and governments. I think we'll eventually see the eradication of these stable coins. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good that's a good question. I mean, an exchange could operate without a stable coin. So, for example, they just accept fiat and transfer that into Bitcoin. But then you get the same problem as well. What happens if you want to take profits? What do you actually then sell your Bitcoin into? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of the the main quandary. Cool. Thanks, Gordon. I think we uh, probably went into more detail than we wanted on that one, but um, this is the world of Bitcoin. Oh, way more detail. I like in just the weeds, and it's good, it's good fun. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, Gordon. There's a lot for us to chew on there, and I think this is something we'll have to um, tackle in depth in maybe one of our newsletters as well. Definitely. And I didn't even mention Libra. <laughs> yeah, it's a topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, All everyone, right. for listening. That's a wrap. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com slash free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass or the Bitcoin Basics podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass or the Bitcoin Basics podcast will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit CoinCompass.com for more information and please contact us.